Welcome to Game of Books Podcast. I'm Kathy in South Dakota. And I'm Christy in South Florida. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and mystery through interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors. And our virtual book club. And even our fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us on today's adventure. Welcome to Corks and Conversation with Frank Zafiro. I am so excited to talk to him, Kathy. He writes some really thrilling crime fiction, and he has a podcast where he interviews other crime fiction authors, so just like us, and it has a great name. It's called Wrong Place, Right Crime. <laughs> I agree. We have so much to talk about with Frank. Um, let me give a little short bio for those of our listeners who haven't been introduced to him or his work yet. Um, Frank was a police officer in Spokane, Washington from 1993 to 2013, um, and he retired as captain, so kudos to Frank for that. Um, he is uh, also the author of numerous crime novels. I, I'm going to, we'll count here in a little bit. I was trying to count on his business card, and look at the, look at how many. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> a lot. Um, he has got the River City series, the Charlie 316 series with Colin Conway. Their latest uh, work together is available now, Code 4, which is the final in the four-part series. Um, so lots of standalones, lots of series. Uh, Frank lives in Redmond, Oregon with his wife, Christy, dogs Richie and Wiley. Very important to include the dogs. <laughs> but not to be undone, they live with a very self-assured cat, we're told, named Pasta. <laughs> and Frank is an avid hockey fan. And my favorite, he's a tortured guitarist. <laughs> so Frank, welcome. It's great to talk with you today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. Yep. We're thrilled to have you. Before we get started with the big questions, let's talk with the really big stuff. Christy, talk to us about the wine. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So Frank, uh, you picked the Arath, I think I'm pronouncing it right, Arath Pinot Noir, which both Kathy and I were able to get in our respective locations. And um, based on the description, it sounds delicious. So I suggest you guys take a sip while I give the tasting notes. And then Frank, you're going to tell us why you chose this wine. So um Take a sip. You should have layered aromas, including blackberry, currant, toasty pie crust, eucalyptus, eucalyptus, and a waft of hearty meatiness. Dark fruits prevail on the palate, cherry plum and mission fig, nicely seasoned with sage and a light smokiness. The mouth is soft, yet still textural as tannin and acid marry evenly. <laughs> we just love reading these because we feel like we should start writing these. They're so good. So uh, what stood out to you guys? I'm going to take a sip. Uh, Frank, for me, it was for sure the toasty pie crust. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, cer <laughs> I certainly didn't pick it because it wasn't pretentious. That <laughs> description. I mean, I've never read that description. If I had read it before trying it, I might have been like, oh, that's foo-foo. <laughs> I, you know, I bought it, I think, because it was, uh, it was made in Oregon. And uh, so we gave it a try. 
and uh, it was one of the early adopters of the twist tops. Uh, twist tops. Mm-hmm. Oh well. yes, and, that's what we love. So I think we were going on on a trip or something, and I didn't yeah. want to have to bring an opener and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Chris uh, dressed, mine's dressed for uh the holidays yeah her decorated appropriately <laughs> uh, and then i just i liked it i like it's a light red i like the pinots generally anyway and it, it just was light it was something you could drink any time of year and it it didn't seem out of place and uh you know how things are when you're married you kind of fall into like <laughs> something you both like then you it's one of the things you stick with it and so this mm-hmm. is uh, well it's good I think you, you can thank nice you can thank Christy for it too. Yeah. <laughs> she might have been the one that found it. I don't remember. Yeah, maybe remember she that saw that foo foo yeah. description yeah. and said, Hey, this is for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, right? no, she She's is like, very... anything with toasty uh, pie crust, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get started with some questions. Yay. Um I so, was led to believe there's going to be more wine on this show. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, you drink you drink the whole time. <laughs> no, we're just going to keep oh, drinking. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Except for when you're talking. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I count something like 30 novels that you've written or <laughs> co-written, um, many while you were working full-time in law enforcement. And how do you find, so my question is, how do you find the time? And do you write one novel at a time or do you have several in the works at the same mm-hmm. time? Um, well, you know, I just did a quick count and I think it's 33 right now. Um, but wow. there's a couple of them under my given name that aren't on my Zafiro website. So I'm counting those. And one of those is a kid's book. So a young adult book. So I don't know if that counts or not. Of course it um, counts. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it was, it was tougher when I was, when I was working because, you know, you just have so many different responsibilities to attend to. So uh, I really had to carve out that time. And so there are a lot of things that I, I just didn't do that, you know, that other people did do. I didn't go to the lake and hang out all day, you know, and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, you know, if, if it's something that you're driven to do, it's something that's important to you, whatever that is, uh, then you make the time for it. You just do. And, uh, finding the balance is the tough part, right? You know, between mm-hmm. the job and family and, and then, and then your, your passion, whatever that is. Um, and so I just, I mean, I just kept at it and I, you know, used the time that I could. And, um, part of the time I worked shift work. And so there were periods of time where nobody else was awake and up anyway. And so that made it easier. Uh, it's just, I, I couldn't not do it. So, you know, that's Great. what it was. So you found um, the time. <laughs> yeah. Have you added the words up? Uh, no, not entirely. I did start a um, kind of a goal sheet back in 2017 where I wanted to keep track of how many books I published uh, and what the word count was. And I set a goal of a million words uh, uh, in published novels. I didn't count short stories. And uh, um, I think it's like at a million two now. So I, oh, I, I wow. met that. Uh, and I still have another month, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, get going. What are you doing talking to us and drinking wine in the afternoon? <laughs> Reco- recovering. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? I should, I should point out, it is the afternoon. It's like 2 o'clock where I'm at. So well, uh, the, the nice part about being somewhere. where you are, right? Yeah, Christy's got that. I'm, I'm with you. It's a little earlier here, but not as early as it is for you. Well, I, as you mentioned, I retired, and one of the nice things about being retired is, uh, you know, day drinking doesn't have nearly the same stigma attached. No. <laughs> no. So you, you you interrupted him, Kathy. I want to know if, if he writes more than one novel at a time. Mm. Oh, 
Um, yeah, uh, it depends. It depends. When I'm collaborating with someone, uh, sometimes, uh, depending on the nature of the collaboration, if it's not uh, bam, 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 and, and going like this, and then and there's gaps where the work is with the other author, then sometimes I'll work on stuff then. Um, but, uh, but no, I tend to, I tend to try be, to be serial about it, uh, just because I like to slip into the skin of whatever that book is and, and, and mm -hmm. have it, have it feel the same all the way through. And if I'm jumping in and out of it or jumping from one to another, it, it it's hard to necessarily maintain that continuity. Uh, right. so I do tend, I do tend to work on one at a time. Uh, I do work pretty fast though. I mean, and that, that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you have a daily word count you try to get to or a, like, I'm, a structure like that at all? Part two on discipline for that, I guess. <laughs> um, no, you know, uh, I, I really, I really don't. I used to, because uh, kind of harkening back to your first question, because sometimes I was able to write with what was essentially stolen time, um, I tended to write more in blocks. So I might not write for five days in a row, but then I might get a four hour block uh, to write. And so I'll write like crazy for that period of time. And then it might be three days before I get back to it. Um, and so that, because of that, I've kind of developed a little more of a loosey goosey approach in that I don't have a word count goal. I don't, you're going to put your butt in the chair and you're going to write this much and you can't get up. Um, I just, I try to do as much as I can when I can and, and, and go from there. Uh, and, it, and it seems to work, you know? Great. Yeah, I would agree. It seems to yeah. work. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm very interested in, um, you know, you write police procedurals. You've lived that life as a cop. You must certainly still have friends on the force. What, what are your thoughts about the challenges law enforcement's facing right now? I mean, I think it's yeah. always an incredibly hard job. I, I, a long time ago, worked as a prosecutor and got the privilege of oh. working with a lot of really outstanding cops. I mean, just wonderful, wonderful humans. And, um, but I would say, given the current circumstances now, the difficulty of the job's got to be at the next level. I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that and how you incorporate it in your work, maybe? Yeah, yeah well, I would totally echo what you just said. And, and it's always been a tough job. And, you know, I came on in the early 90s, and it was getting, you know, exponentially harder then because the skill set that we were asking officers to have to do the job well was such a broad skill set that required depth in each of those skills. I mean, you had to be able, you had to have computer skills, you had to have uh, writing skills, you had to have physical capabilities, including uh, being able to use defensive tactics and drive fast uh, without crashing and, and, and without endangering the public. You had to be able to talk to people you know, one could be a five-year-old girl, one could be a 95-year-old man or a criminal or someone you just got smacked in the mouth. And I mean, you know, it wasn't just one type of person. You had to be able to talk to all kinds of people. Uh, you know, you had to use a gun responsibly and know when to be able to use that. And, and, and that's tough. Uh, and then, you know, hearkening to your background a little bit, you had to not only know what the laws were, which is tough enough, as you can attest to, just learning what the mm -hmm. laws are and what the difference between a Class C felony and a gross misdemeanor and what you can do if you're facing one or the other in the situation that you're in, that you've had to properly decide you were in to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, but, but the law is constantly changing, you know, with, yeah. with case law, with, with judges uh, um, 
and, and juries decide that that affects how we interpret the law. <laughs> you got to keep up on that. Um, and that was, and by the way, the, one of my worst gigs was the um, annual updates. You know, we'd draw the short straw who had to go mm-hmm. to talk to law enforcement, give them the updates, and they're like, ah, mm-hmm. no <laughs> more yeah. changes. I mean, it's brutal. You're right. The mm-hmm. skill set, amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's just it's becoming more and more difficult as as things go on, and then uh, uh, you know there's already it's becoming a smaller and smaller set, uh, subset of society who can do the job, um, who have the skills or at least the potential to learn those skills or develop those skills, mm-hmm. and so that pool that hiring pool is getting smaller, and then in, within that hiring pool there's fewer and fewer people who who want to do the job or, or, or who are drawn mm-hmm. to do the job or are called to do it. And, and, you know, some of that might be a result of, you know, public scrutiny and public backlash and so forth. Uh, and some of it is as you require more out of the police and you start to pay more for that profession, um, uh, uh, you, you still have to deal with the fact that that skill set can get more money on the private market. If you have this skill set, you can make this much right. money and you have to have this skill set if you want to do this job, which you can make half as much at mm-hmm. without, you know, with a 10th of the responsibility. And so some people are like, I'm going for the easier job that pays twice as much. And so it is definitely becoming hard. I, I do think it's important for us to remember though, that the level of public scrutiny is is altogether correct and 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 should be there. I mean, the the police serve the public. I mean, Robert Peel was very clear about that when he mm-hmm. when he started uh, professional policing, essentially back mm-hmm. in, in the late eighteen hundreds. And and so the fact that you know the public wants to know what the police are doing, wants to have a, an eye on it, wants to understand it, wants to have transparency, wants to have a say in how policing occurs. Um, I think that's altogether correct, and that's the kind of reform that I hope we get to. All right, that's very well said. <laughs> so t- we went to the subject. Writers Police ca- Police Academy. Kathy and I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was Offlin's a lo- that was deal. a lot of fun. We yeah. were exhausted, but, but those are uh, great though. And 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 police and, departments do a Citizens Academy. That that's right. kind of that's how we came up with that. I'm sure. Um, and the amount of understanding that comes out of those on the part of the citizenry and that they convey to the police officers that they interact with is fantastic. It's a great yeah, recipe for yeah. drawing the community closer to its department. Right. Um, Cause I don't think to, people understand half of what happens. They just, whatever the soundbite or yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> and your other question was, do I, do, does that work its way into my yeah, work? Do you, I mean, and, do you think about, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and yes, there you go. It totally does, uh, especially in the last several years. Uh, I, I've definitely focused on it more and in that series that uh, that uh, Christy just showed. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, Christy, right? Yep. yep. Christy. Um, uh, a couple of C's. Christy and Kathy, I I'm know. confused. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but that series definitely examines what this phenomenon that, that Kathy brought up. You don't want to put it down for sure. It's good. It's really good. And, and I, and I think now that the fourth one's out, just buy the box set. That's what I would tell anybody because, because, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that would be a great gift. I don't know. I, I mean, just putting a little plug in there right then. Cause I was thinking about it. It is a series that is probably best read in order in, in its entirety to get 
to, to really enjoy as much as but as, you don't as, have to because i started huh. with the third one and and i mm -hmm. was able to tell and then i was like well oh i want to go back and read the other ones because i bet that talks about this little thing they're alluding mm -hmm. to and that must have been that mm -hmm. whole book and then this one was you know yeah there's yeah. some bad they all have to stand alone but definitely uh, <laughs> uh the box set would be that's a great idea yeah. i hope the, i hope i can talk to the publisher and make Oh, if we just okay. created that, they're going to have to do it now. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell it's out there. It's on the internet. It's, yeah. it's, got it. it's true. <laughs> but people really love to read, you know, police mm -hmm. procedurals too. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why. Yeah, I think after read. romance, I think mystery is the biggest category. Mm -hmm. yeah. So speaking of police procedurals and these great books, this is, we, this isn't the new one, right? The new one just came out. That's, That's the, the third, third one. one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you have to write a lot of action scenes or you get to write mm -hmm. a lot of action scenes and i would i would say they are darn good action scenes oh thank you yeah what what are your thoughts on writing those like what how do you put a punch in them and mm -hmm. speed them up or slow them down what are your thoughts on that you know my, my co-author uh for that series uh my, my friend colin conway and i um you know we talk about stuff like that a lot and one of the things about if a, a, a fight scene, but really any scene is, we tend to write it very, um, this is gonna sound pretentious, but very cinematically, like, you know, we're seeing it as if it were on the big screener or on your right. TV at least. And so from there, then what do you see? And how how is the, the person sitting on their couch experiencing that scene. And so from that, you're going to get the visuals of it. You're going to get the pacing of it. You're going to get uh, the sounds of it. Uh, and then after that, you go back in and go, okay, now what are the characters feeling as this mm -hmm. is occurring? You know, the, the pain, the smell, the, the, the thud, the reaction, the surprise, the fear, whatever it might be. Um, and, and so then you insert that into it and then you get kind of a, um, I don't know, this is kind of mixing metaphors, but a 365 degree of the senses sort of uh, right. approach. And I think that's why people like it. My, my mom, um, she's like my, uh, my, my dad's wife, uh, my, my mom, Gail. Um, she, uh, she's my stepmom technically. So I guess that's why I said that, but she, uh, she never fails when we start talking about my books. She's like, Oh, and I love your fight scenes. And she always has to reach out and touch me, you know, like, touch my arm. I lo love your fight scenes. I can see them happening. So oh, uh, that, that's great. That, that tells me I'm doing okay. If she, I got her yeah. seal of approval. <laughs> yeah. I, yep. you know, I, I have no idea how many um, actual altercations you've been in, but I imagine it's a fair amount yourself over the course of your career as a law enforcement officer, but it, I felt like that really colored a lot of your action. Like you could tell you've scuffled with somebody firsthand. You know, in law, in law enforcement, I will tell you that, you know, in the movies and in books, much like the books you're talking about in our series, um, most of the fights in, in the fictional world are, you know, like this, right? They're against each other and they're, you're both fighting to win and you're both fighting to, to, to beat up the other person. Essentially um, the cop wants to beat up the bad guy so that he can then arrest him. And the bad guy wants to beat him up so he can then escape. A, a lot of the, the, the physical altercations you get in, in law enforcement, you know, a good percentage of them are more about you as the officer trying to control the suspect and the suspect trying to 
evade control and get away. And so they may direct force towards you, but it's, it's, it's not as constant as if you were in a straight up UFC fight where that's all right. that the person is doing. <laughs> and so the real big fights in my career that, you know, that were, you know, knockdown drag out fights that were a true test were when that wasn't the case, when it shifted to, all right, now it's, you know, UFC time. It's not, I'm trying to get away. And if I have to kick you in the chest to get away, then I will, mm -hmm. as I get to my feet and scramble away, then, then great. But you know, now I'm going to try to kick you in your face so that I can take your gun and shoot you in the head with it. That's a different kind of fight, right? right. <laughs> but in the fictional world, that's the kind of fight you usually show. I would think a tendency for those cases to be somebody who's under the influence of some sort of drugs or whatever. So that makes it probably mm -hmm. doubly hard too, because at that point they're like, I'm not trying to get away. I'm just, you know, mm -hmm. going to fight. <laughs> and, that, and, and those folks don't tend to respond to pain compliance as much. So right. if you get them into a wrist lock or something where, you know, a sober person, you put a little bit of pressure on that and it hurts. And so they give up and they let you cuff them. The people that aren't feeling any pain don't respond to pain yeah. compliance. So. Oh. Speaking it's of a pain tough world out there. <laughs> All right, let's yeah. take a drink because it is time for our little midway segment here, question in the bottle. So Frank, what we do is we ask our authors a question in the bottle. It's kind of the kind of questions you might get to at the end of a bottle. <laughs> um, and uh, so Chrissy's going to, uh, we've got a little pile of random questions we've come up with after we've had a few drinks and uh, she'll pull one out and ask you here. I'm a, uh, my, my palms are sweaty. I, I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I'm a little nervous now. <laughs> Kathy, do you still have your, your law or your practicing lawyer anymore? I am not a practicing right. lawyer. I still have my so I can't, I can't, re I can't refer my questions to my attorney and I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here. Oh, this is, this is interesting. Okay. What is the, in your opinion, I guess, what is the most overrated virtue? <laughs> oh boy the most overrated virtue wow. i think kathy should list some virtues for us so we could we could see uh, which one we uh, do. <laughs> patience, gluttony uh, gluttony is a vice yeah uh whereas uh, so gluttony wouldn't be a virtue the virtue would be yeah the virtue abstinence. would be temp temperance abstinence, or something like a that. temperance yeah oh. there you go temper temperance is the <laughs> most overrated virtue <laughs> i haven't drank any wine in, in a month and a half that was kind of set up yeah you're right yeah yeah you but put that one right on the tee for me i shouldn't have been scared at all <laughs> Oh, that's great. I would go with patience just personally because I patience. Patience. I'm terribly uh, impatient. Yeah, I don't I don't need to hear the rest of that. I'm bored with it already. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Onward. I have no patience. See, this is, it's a chance for us to just stop and take a drink and talk about how we don't sure. think that temperance is a good virtue. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so um, we, Frank, we, Christy and I have always been fascinated by um, two authors that work together. We've talked to a mm -hmm. few, you know, quite a few of them. We've talked about... Um, We're two authors that work together, but we don't write books don't write yet together. together but we never know. And so mm -hmm. um, can you talk about, you've done quite a few... Mm -hmm. um, dual works. How do you and Colin, for example, work together? Um, 
in your series, the Charlie 316 series, or just talk to us about that a little bit. Um, well, the Charlie 316 series is a different sort of approach that is actually now my preferred approach with, with collaboration. Prior to that, um, all of the collaborations, almost all of them, um, with, uh, that, I, that I worked with another author, we would take the uh, story and they were all dual first person narratives with alternating chapters. So Kathy, if I was writing the book with you, maybe you would write chapter one as Jane and in the first person. And then chapter two, I would write, you know, Jack in the first person. And then we'd alternate back and forth each chapter. And so you're really writing half a book. And depending on the story, there may or may not be a lot of overlap with that other character. And in some that I've written, there hasn't been much and others, there's been quite a lot. And that worked really well. And it was pretty streamlined and it went really fast. Um, and then uh, I, I wrote a book with uh, Larry Kelter where I, I told him that was my process. And he said, yeah, that's great, but I don't want to do that. Said, okay <laughs> what do you want to do he goes i just want one collaboration <laughs> i just want one first person narrative and that's it and so i said all right i think it's gonna suck but we'll do it and and so we, i didn't tell him that but my because my, my, <laughs> my fear my fear was that it would be schizophrenic right like right. the guy the guy would sound like two different people because i'd write two chapters he'd write three chapters i'd write no chapter, i can't imagine that would be weird but and, and it may have been that way at the end of the first draft. I don't remember. But the fact of the matter is, is after the first draft, we both edited it so heavily that it became kind of a third voice and it was a consistent voice. So I was pretty happy with it. Um, so when we came back to write another book uh, called Fallen City, uh, we decided to make that a third person, multiple viewpoint uh, was the way to tell that story. And, and, but we both wrote all the characters. We just wrote a certain amount and then turned it over. And the, the result was the same, uh, you know, the voices were hmm. ended up being consistent. So when Colin came to me, he said, Hey, you know, I've got this idea for a story. Um, uh, he was on the job too for five years. And while he was working as a police officer, one year uh, when he was working power shift South, his call sign was Charlie 316. And he was like, oh, that just has a cool sound to it. And then he kind of equated it to the uh, John 316 uh, biblical uh, scripture, which is one of the two or three best known uh, that are out there. And, 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 and it got him thinking, what would happen if there was this guy who was a, you know, a golden child, he's a, a perfect cop, a, a great father and family man, and, and, and you know, respected in the community, and even better in a very white Pacific Northwest city, 85, 90% white, he was a black officer. Um, and, and that gave them an additional, you know, public relations uh, opportunity there. What if this person got into a questionable shooting and what would happen? And would ultimately the city, would they sacrifice their favorite son on the altar of political expediency of, of, of public, uh, you know, the public desire? And that's where it started. And it was a great idea. I said, that's a cool idea. He goes, well, do you want to work on it with me? Because I want to dive into some elements of the police experience that I just don't have any, any background for. I mean, he, he was a police officer when he retired. Um, I retired as a captain. So I had some different experiences mm -hmm. uh, by moving laterally in my career at times where some officers, um, you know, will move uh, horizontally and do a lot of different jobs and get a ton of different experiences, mm -hmm. um, which is great. But my experiences included 
you know, uh, leadership experiences. And he wanted to kind of, he didn't want to get over his skis as, as he put it with some of that. And so I was like, great, let's talk about it. And so we took the skeleton uh, of a very good story and we put a lot of meat on it and, and started writing. And the way that we worked it was that um, we, we knew we had to have a good outline to start with at least a, a you know, a, a paragraph form of scene to scene, you know, chapter to chapter, however you want to phrase it. And so that we both knew the map because uh, when you're, if you don't operate with the map, you can't pants it when you're working with another author because you right. know, they'll go off in a direction you totally didn't plan for and you laid the groundwork to go this way and they're going right. off into this other. It's just, it's a recipe for disaster. And so we created a, we, we brainstormed uh, in person a couple of times and then over, over Zoom a, a few times to get a good outline. And then we, you know, we started writing it. And initially in the first book, we didn't really take, you know, we write this character, I'll write that character uh, so much as we took s- sections of the book. But pretty quickly we realized, you know, this character is working for you as the person writing it. And this, per- this character is working for me as the person writing it. And so most of the major characters by the end of the first book certainly kind of had an assignment. It was my character, his character that we were writing. and. Um, uh, and we kind of stuck with that. And our process, you'll appreciate this as writers, um, was uh, so just to make it simple. So Colin would write chapter one and he would send it to me. I would go in and I'd do like a deep crit read on chapter one. I'd go through with track changes and mark the hell out of it and make comments, you know, as if he was sending it to me uh, as a first draft asking for critical feedback. And I'd be brutal, you know, and I'd send it and then I'd write chapter two. Then I'd send him chapter one and two. He'd go through and read my corrections or my revisions and suggestions and address them. And then he'd edit my chapter two with the same ferocity and brutality (laughs) that I did his chapter one. Uh, And then he'd write chapter three. And then it'd come to me. And and so then this process would continue where you were always reviewing your last piece of work, reviewing the new piece of work, and then writing your own next piece. And as a result, by the time we got to the end of the, the first draft of any of those books, it was really at least, you know, draft 1.5 or 2.0. Right. Uh, That's and it also like a beta reader built in to drafting, which is right, really interesting. Right. Well, it also served to make it um, very singular in, uh, in terms of an overall voice or an overall handling, because even though I may have written a particular character, the first draft of that character, the amount of revision, like footprint of revision that Colin would have on that character. I mean, it was a 64. Would kind of split, meld them you know? a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Kind of like so when you really cut well. and paste something into WordPerfect and mm-hmm. you can merge the. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it worked really well because it just was an on, ongoing write and revise process this kept you really, really sharp. The other cool thing about it, and, and you'll appreciate this as well, I think, when you're working with somebody else, there's a real motivator to do your very best in terms of quantity and quality and rapidity. And so when you get that chapter from your co-author, like you're on it and you're, and you're, and you're getting to it right away and then you're doing your best work uh, and then getting it back to them as soon as possible, so you know without rushing it. Um, and I think the which result, sounds fun. 
It, 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 well, <laughs> you, you, you sit down and have coffee with other writers, right? And you talk about mm -hmm. your work and they talk about their work and you encourage each other and you brainstorm and you kick things around. When you leave those coffee sit downs, you want to go home and write about 100,000 words that day. That's how you feel. And this process, you feel that way every day or two. And so really we burned, we wrote Charlie 316 in less than a month. Wow. And, and that, that's a 100,000 words book wow. you know? now that's first draft that's not you know yeah. right uh yeah, yeah read but still that's i mean that's pretty fast no that is really fast now but you said you you had a pretty specific outline how long did the outline take you know did you we definitely spent some time on it um mm -hmm. you know we we knew that it wasn't going to be ironclad we could vary if we needed to but we wanted to have a really solid uh idea where things were going we didn't want to uh, we didn't want any meandering or drifting as we got right. uh, deeper into the work. So we spent a fair amount of time on it. Um, I can't, I can't remember exactly uh, how long, but it wasn't, you know, I mean, we met in person a couple of times and then we, we mm -hmm. spoke over the net a few times and we did the same process. We'd send the outline back and forth with, you know, track changes and then responses and then responses to the responses. Yeah, like what if then, we do this instead yeah. of this? Mm -hmm. And yeah, mm -hmm. that's cool. Yeah, sometimes the the track changes the side there with the comments would be like so full that it has to truncate. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Because there'd be so, so many. They click all, on more. <laughs> exactly. And there'd be like 12 of them on the side there. But but that's how you get to what the story is because things change. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. some, some big things changed as we figured out, oh, this is, you know, what, what we... Uh, really are focusing on. And, and even the focus of the entire series was different than what the focus of the first book was about. And so um, that's part of the process, right? Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, we'll jump into your other hat, podcasting. So in addition to all this writing you do, you also are a podcaster. And um, I kind of, we were just wondering, how did you get started in podcasting and how involved are you in the production part of it? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I, you know, one of my co-authors is a guy named Eric Beatner, um, who, if, if, if you like, uh, fast, fast reads, fast paced reads, he's your man, uh, very, very fast paced, uh, books, but, um, he and, uh, another great author, uh, S.W. Loudon, they started a, uh, podcast called Writer Types and, it's cool. It's awesome. And Eric is an editor uh, by trade. And so it, it, it's slick too for, for a podcast. It's super mm -hmm. slick. He does a tremendous job. And I, it, it played out to me like kind of like a, a, a morning radio talk show, you know, where you have a bunch of guests and some funny stuff and then you move on to something else and something else. Uh, shorter segments and lots of humor and, and, and so forth. And it was great. I loved it. But it made me start to think about, you know, would I like to do something like that? Would I like to dive into that? arena and i you know i was excited about the idea but i didn't want to copy what they were doing and i and i couldn't anyway eric and, and steve are way funnier than i am and they have a banter back and forth and i was like well what could i do you know with my limited skill set and i thought you know i want to make a <laughs> yeah that's <scary. laughs> uh that's where the torturing comes in see as the people would have to listen uh, but you know, I thought, you know, I could be the, I could be the host that like gets a guest on the show and it's the kind of show that you're driving your car late at night and long stretch of lonely highway with two hours left to go. And you click on to some FM, you know, 
dial and you kept come across this like, Oh, I know that guy. He wrote such and such or he did. And then you start listening and they talk about the, you know, the work and they talk about the craft, but then maybe they talk about the best hamburger or, you know, what's the meaning of life or, or whatever. And then they come back around to the work. And, and so it's more of that, you know, deeper dive sort of approach. Um, and I thought I could do, I could do that. That would be fun. So I decided to give it a try, uh, cast around for coming up with some kind of a title. And it was actually my wife, uh, also named Christy, uh, who, came up with it, Wrong Place, Right Crime, uh, which I think is a great title. It was, as soon as I heard it, I knew it was the right title. <laughs> and, uh, and then it became a learning process, as I'm sure you, you dealt with in your own experience. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, what, what works, what doesn't work, and, and so forth. I do, I do the audio editing, and it's a one-man show for sure. Wow. Uh, so I do all of that. Um, after about a year, I, I was getting requests, and I wanted to talk to more writers, and I was like, I don't want to do an hour long show every week. It's too much for me. I want to write too. And, and, (laughs) you know, I mean, I'd be doing podcasting full time as much as I enjoy it. It was too much. And so I kept the monthly feature episode, but then I started adding in much shorter, like 10 to 12, 15 minute um, interviews called open and shut interviews uh, on a weekly basis that, that were not the, uh, the off weeks from the future right. episode. So that allowed me to reach out and touch um, a lot more guests and have people on that I wanted to talk to and get to know them, but mm-hmm. keep it short enough to be manageable from the editing standpoint. And it was also one of those shows where people could go, Hey, I'm going to the grocery store. I'll pop this in and listen to it on the way. And then right. when I get back in the car, I listen to the rest of it on the way home and you know, it's 20 minutes or so. Uh, and so, uh, so that's worked really well. So I'm coming up on, uh, January, I'll hit a hundred episodes. And so, uh, it's, it's been pretty, it's been pretty fun. I've had some really great, uh, it's great for me because, uh, you know, I mean, I'm retired and I'm not, after I retired, I taught for, uh, uh, several years as a consultant traveling and teaching police leadership. Uh, but I quit doing that as well in 2017 at the end of the year. So for the last two years, I've been a hermit, you know, I mean, I've been at home even before COVID. And so <laughs> this podcast has been a way to like, it's my chance to yeah. my social. Life, I, I honestly know? don't know what I would do without it. If I didn't have this during this COVID thing, Kathy, mm. I mean, at least we're zooming once in a while and talking to all kinds of interesting people. Yeah. And so it is. Yeah. You mess. make, you make friends, you make friends. Yeah. I, I, I know. Just, I mean, I love- you're our friend, Frank, we're going to be there. <laughs> we're right. on our way to Oregon. <laughs> we know they got good wine there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've got one, I've got one spare room. So oh, one of you, go. you're going to have to share. One. <laughs> We've awesome. done that before. We can handle it. <laughs> it it's a, it's a queen. You'll be all right. <laughs> Well, Frank, it's been so fun talking to you today. We're so appreciative that you joined us and and it was just a great conversation. Christy has one last question for you. Okay, Ah, so we this is what we ask all the authors. Um it it appeases our mysterious foodies, our listeners out there. Um which of your characters would you like to share a meal with and what would it be? Oh my God, that's a good one. I've never been asked that. You know, I've been asked a lot of, you know, you get the standard author questions, you know, and you have like, oh, I've got something for that. You know, I feel like Archer right now. Oh, man, I had something for that. Um, boy. Oh. 
That is really, really tough. Um, all right. So you got me a glass and a half into a bottle of wine. So I will, I will impart a dirty secret. All right. Uh, well, it's not dirty, but I think, <laughs> I think it would be, uh, I think it would be the character that has become the core of the river city series for me over the course of six books. Um, uh, Officer Katie McLeod. And the reason I think I would want to, to have a meal with her. And I think it would be a nice, uh, quiet restaurant where people wouldn't bother us and people wouldn't recognize that she's on the job. And so we'd just be two people having a meal, a couple of pals chatting, you know. Um, you could get a steak or a salad or whatever you wanted there. So one of those kinds of places. Uh, and the reason I just think I would, I, I just, she fascinates me because she is a, a female officer in a world that is still largely male. Uh, so she's beset with all of the, the doubts that any officer has. Plus she has the additional issue of overcoming the difference between being a male or female officer and what some of those suppositions might be and how people treat her, which is a metaphor for anybody who's different than the norm and has to deal mm -hmm. with that. Um, and she's at once vulnerable, but, but resilient. And I find that combination just fascinating and it's it's why I think she's become the core of the series for me because she doesn't shy away from the challenges and the fears and the difficulties, but she never quits either. She never gives up. She's that you know that get knocked down seven times, get up eight mentality. But she feels the pain and she embraces it. And I just think it's an interesting character. That sounds uh, great. So. That's, I, that's I know I read that whole series completely just based on your answer. I know that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, okay, River City, you've got to write this down because you know to our to be read list. Oh, my wife great. thinks I'm my wife thinks I'm in love with her. So uh, <laughs> you, you should start saying uh, she's based on you, honey. I don't. Yeah, know. That's, that'd be a tough sell. <laughs> So, my wife's a teacher, so I don't yeah. even know how that would well, go. Well, trust me, being a teacher is hard work. You're policing There's a lot, a lot of parallels. There. <laughs> There's a lot of parallels. So, Frank, if people, um, our listeners are going to want to mm -hmm. reach out and they're going to want to buy some books, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Mm -hmm. um, website, social media, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the best place to start is just franksafero.com and, and all the books are there and they'll take you to, you know, wherever it is you like to buy books in whatever format you like to read them. And there's other connections there. There's a few freebies and there's some, uh, you know, here's the different you know, shows and radio. And your podcast. Yeah, the podcast is there. This will be linked there. This this uh, yeah. episode will be linked there. Things like that. That's always a good place. And to they're start. beautiful books. I mean, they're going to it up so you can get a good yeah. picture. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah, a, a, a guy named Zach McCain did those, and he is the bar none the very best uh, book cover designer. And I've worked with several who are tremendous, but he takes the cake. He's just oh, yeah, they're beautiful. So, yep. Would make lovely gifts for Christmas, everyone. There you go. <laughs> get the box set. Make your own box well, set. We're gonna How's have to that? Get, yeah. Make sure box set. Get the box set. <laughs> they can buy. You can buy them all and just call it a yes. box set. Make your own. Put box. Them in anyway, a box. well, that, it's been. <laughs> this has been so much fun. So um, I guess all we have left is wine to cheer. Say cheers mm. and right. to a fun conversation. Mm. Cheers. Slante. Cheers. Thanks for joining us on today's adventure. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube, where you can watch and listen. On GameOfBooksPodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter or enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers. Cheers.